0: Uh, it's It's an honor to be able to open God's word with you tonight. I can neither confirm nor deny I may or may not have put on a few pandemic pounds. And so I started a running program on my phone a couple of weeks ago, three weeks in, still going. And while I run, there's this wicked, annoying little trainer guy that whenever I'm just about to stop running and, you know, start walking a little bit, take a little break, he shouts, keep going, you can do it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But if I'm honest, it also kind of helps. Like, I really do start to pick up my pace a little bit again. I'm like, oh, you're right. The guy said I have to keep going. I guess I have to. You know, when you think about it, the creators of the app put that in there for a reason. And it's, it's perceptive because sometimes to keep running, we need outside voices to encourage us to continue going, to put one foot in front of the other, to keep running. Well, the book of Hebrews that we'll be looking at tonight is a long sermon with one point. Don't fall away. The book was written to a group of Christians who were tempted to stop running, to throw in the towel, and to ultimately walk away from Jesus altogether. The author wants to know, wants them to know rather that if they do walk away from Christ, then they will not enter that eternal rest that God promises for his people. He's not saying, we should say from the outset, that genuine Christians can lose their salvation. Not saying that at all. But he is warning them that they can expect to fall away and still be saved. The mark of genuine faith, after all, is that it lasts. And it lasts all the way to the end. So the question becomes, how do we persevere to the end? Well, let's read Hebrews 3, verse 13 together. Hebrews 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I read that one more time. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think the main point of this book, of this uh, verse rather is simple. We need one another if we're going to persevere and not fall away. God has made the local church his way of making sure that our hearts aren't hardened by sin's deceit. If we go it alone, we're walking into spiritual disaster just like Saul and 1 Samuel. Just like Israel in the wilderness whenever they failed to inherit God's rest, the promised land, because of their unbelief. But together with the right mix of encouragement and rebuke, we spur one another on. We keep each other going on towards that eternal rest that waits for us with God, the new heavens and the new earth. Now, you'll notice how the verse starts that when it comes to the call to exhort one another, to remind one another of God's promises, and to remind one another of the dangers of sin, the author isn't asking, he's telling. In other words, this is a command for God's people to take ownership of one another's spiritual well being. Now, you might think, where in the world do you get that the local church is supposed to do this? It just says, exhort one another. Well, we know as we read the rest of the book that the author assumes this one another, regularly gathers together in Hebrews 10, verse 25. And then later in chapter 13, verse 17, he says that they all submit to one identifiable group of leaders, which the New Testament calls a local church. So don't miss this. The call here in this verse is to have the local church Help one another to stave off sin's hardening effect. It's the work not of the elders only, not of the super elite Christian, but of your average, everyday church member. This is church membership 101. We have the joy and the privilege, the duty of walking with each other day by day, it says, Right? It's not so much that if you don't meet with someone from church when the sun goes down, you failed somehow that day and you have to reset the next day, but it's to characterize our lives. It's a lifestyle. We orient our lives around one another and doing each other spiritual good, like Trey talked about this morning. In the business that we have... To do this for one another is urgent. That's why it says, as long as today is called today. Meaning, we can't presume that there is a tomorrow where we can do our business with God. Or where we can help others do their business with God. Because tomorrow isn't promised. Right, on the Christian calendar, there are two days. There's today, and there's that day when Christ returns. And he's not going to tarry forever. Sin deceives us far more easily when we're isolated. That's the connection between these two things. Exhort one another, help one another, so that you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Together, we're able to spot Satan's schemes and identify the ways sin is, is creeping up in our own hearts to destroy our faith. When we are constantly about the work of stirring one another up to love and good deeds, our hearts don't have the opportunities to settle in and to harden in sin. Now, with that in mind, I want to spend the rest of our time together thinking about three things that we as University Baptist Church need to know if we are going to fulfill this command, this job description, and help one another persevere to the end. So the first thing that we need to know in light of this verse is that we need to know each other. Brothers and sisters, membership has to really mean something at UBC if we want to be effective in keeping our members from falling away. When we join this church... In membership, we're assuming a spiritual responsibility for each other. We promise to have a vested interest in seeing all the members of UBC, not just the ones that we know, right? Not just the ones in our age bracket or who look like us or that we happen to be close to. We have a vested interest in seeing every single member of UBC make it safely home to glory. We signed up to walk the narrow road together, so to speak. We are all our brothers and sisters' keeper. And for that to happen, we need to have our our hearts more conditioned, more and more, more and more comfortable with having direct spiritual conversation. That just has to be something that we're used to. It's as easy as breathing. Now, don't do this. After this, do not go up to someone you don't know and say, hey, how are you? Please list your top five worst sins that you did this week. You know, have some tact, right? There's uh, There's some wisdom involved. However, you should absolutely go up to someone you don't know, a member of this church, socially distant, six feet apart, and ask them how they came to know the Lord or ask them what God's been teaching them in his word lately or what's been hard over the last several months as they've been going through this pandemic time like everyone else has. And we need to try to have these kind of conversations with more and more people right? Not just a select few, but a lot. We want to know everyone that we can and know everyone at uh, some considerable depth because we are members all together. We want our culture of membership here at UBC to be characterized by a supernatural depth of relationship, how deep that we get with one another, and a supernatural breadth of relationship, how many relationships of substance we have with each other across all kinds of barriers that our culture says has to that has to divide us. Now, before we move on, maybe this sounds, I don't know, a bit intrusive to you. And guess what? It is. But it's only intrusive in the absolute best ways. I doubt that you call guardrails beside a cliff intrusive. I just wish they weren't there. They're really impinging on my freedom to jump over this cliff. No, they're helpful. And we want to be helpful to you as well. But we can't help you. We can't guard your heart from the deceitfulness of sin if we don't know you. Let us know you and let us help you. Second thing, we need to admit in line of this verse that we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do. In other words, you are not the world's expert on yourself. I am not the one that knows myself best because sin deceives us. We can't see ourselves clearly, right? We have blind spots and we can't see them because they're blind spots, right? By definition, we don't know where they are. But do you know who can spot our blind spots? Do you know who is able to provide ourselves a clearer picture of ourselves? Other people, other people that aren't biased in our own favor like we are. Others can see our blind spots and we can see theirs. Some older church covenants, the document like we have that outlines how we promise to live as a church, have a line in them about helping one another to walk circumspectly. I actually pronounced it wrong for a long time. I said circumspectfully until my dear wife today told me I've been pronouncing it wrong for years. (laughs) But it's a great word, walk circumspectly. Do you see the picture? It's allowing us to see all around ourselves. So as we move through the Christian life, when we have this input from other people, we can actually move forward with an accurate understanding of ourselves. We can have a self-awareness of these are the things in my heart that are going to tempt me to go astray. This is how sin threatens to harden my own heart so that I might fall away from the living God. And people can help us point those out so that we can apply the gospel to him, so we can, uh, we can be rebuked and called to repent where we need to so that we can have a full 360 degree view of who we are. Gives us a better chance, right? One more thing on this point before I move on. Since we are so easily deceived by sin, I think that we need to think more carefully about accountability. What kind of accountability we need. The worst kind of accountability you can have is the kind that you have to seek out. The worst kind of accountability in the world, if you are, like this passage says, prone to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, is the kind of accountability that you have to seek out. That you have to say, I'm having a hard time here. That kind of accountability is fine when you're doing relatively well, when you're at your best, but it is disastrous spiritually when you are at your worst. Don't rely on yourself to out yourself in your sin. Invite other people to ask you tough questions. Invite other people to ask you tough questions anytime, not just when you've agreed to meet together for an accountability session. Friends, ask those questions of others. Just by a way of uh, illustration, whenever Lindsay and I were engaged, we had not set up at that time. We were not quite yet in our premarital counseling, and we had a couple approach us. Actually, the wife of a couple approached Lindsay, and she was like, hi, Lindsay, how are you? And Lindsay's like, I'm fine. She's after a church service, and she says, so what kind of physical boundaries do you and Colton have set up? I was like... Okay, uh, and, uh, and thankfully, we were able to say, hey, this is what we do, and it, it, was a, it was a good conversation, but what did we know at that time? We knew there were people that cared about us. We knew that we weren't going to be able to get away with doing things that we shouldn't be doing. We felt, in that instance, the arms of the church and clothes around us, accountability that sought us out, because the reality is we probably wouldn't have been inclined, were we doing things we shouldn't have do to seek that out. So we need to be about a culture of accountability where we seek one another out, where we draw one another out of the darkness and into the light. Well, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you wouldn't identify as a Christian and you're here, which is great. Maybe you're watching on the Zoom feed. Um, I wonder if all of this talk about the deceitfulness of sin and you don't know yourselves as well as you think you are, if that registers with you at all. Because the Bible says... Who we are is not good. That actually all of us were born in sin. We have all been deceived by Satan, and we have all willingly bought the lie that we are the point of the universe. We've all served ourselves willingly, and the Bible calls that sin, that rebellion against God. And that means that we all deserve God's judgment. But... The Bible also says what can be true about you is that you can be forgiven of your sins and receive eternal satisfaction in God because Jesus Christ, the only one who was never deceived by sin, who never tasted that deceit, who never had his heart hardened, he obeyed God perfectly, perfectly from the heart. And yet he died in the place of all those who had ever placed their faith and trust in him, having turned away from their sins. He bore God's wrath that we deserved. He took away the sin that stood between us and a holy God so that we can have access to him through repentance and through faith. So the, the, the truth is that, yes, in and of ourselves, we are self-deceived and we don't know who we are. But the other truth is that we can know who we are in Christ. So if you're here, forsake your sin. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to not enter God's rest today if you hear his voice. Don't harden your heart, but turn to him in faith and repentance. The last thing, third We need to rejoice because God keeps his own. We need to rejoice because God keeps his own. We need one another to persevere to the end and not fall away. But the reason that we need one another is because we are merely instruments in the hand of a sovereign God to accomplish his purposes by his grace. The ultimate reason that we won't fall away as his children is because he is the one that keeps us. God has never lost anyone. Jesus has taken away every single one of your sins. He's drained every last drop of God's wrath that you deserve. And the new covenant in his blood that he gives to those united to him promises the Holy Spirit forever. Forever. He will bring you into his rest. He will bring you to the new heavens and the new earth where you'll stand before him face to face. He will Absolutely finish what he started. So this evening, don't lose heart. In all of this, don't lose heart. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just keep believing. We're going to help you. We're going to help each other. One day, all of our sins and all the temptations to leave off of Christ, to be unbelieving, will vanish in a moment when we see Jesus and our faith becomes sight. And we become completely like him because we'll see him exactly for who he is. God will hold us fast And he's going to use all of us to do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your people. We know that we are prone to go astray. And we thank you that you give us brothers and sisters to help us to walk circumspectly. We pray that you would help us to love one another enough to have awkward and uncomfortable conversations and that we would have this culture of, uh, of caring for one another and that we would take responsibility for one another so that we are able to follow you and be happy and holy in Jesus and present to the world uh, a picture of your gospel and your character here on earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.